Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning. It's the morning of stage five of the tour of Britain. And I find myself looking out over the uh, wider reaches of the Thames Estuary. Is it even the Thames Estuary at this point? I don't know. We're in Suffolk, albeit right hard up against the Essex border in the east of Suffolk. And we have reached the port of Felixstowe. Um, which is a fine thing. It's an absolutely perfect morning. There's not a cloud in the sky. I'm all on my own pretty much on the shingly beach uh, down here on the uh, on the waterfront. In the distance I can see a, a great big ferris wheel, uh, slightly akin to the one that stands in the Jardin des Tuileries in Paris actually on the Rue de Rivoli. Um, I can see the pier uh, just to my right and the cliffs with the elegant uh, Edwardian villas on the top. And in the distance, so the hazy distance, I can see a huge container ship that is uh, just making its way up the estuary, perhaps having unloaded or loaded at uh, Tilbury Docks. Is that right, Tilbury? Yeah, down there somewhere, isn't it? And by the way, while I'm on the subject, um, can I heartily recommend to all of you a book by a writer called Rachel Lichtenstein called Estuary, which I may have mentioned before, actually, which is a, um, a series of vignettes and accounts of the the history and the um, the present day of the Thames Estuary, which is a remarkable stretch of water. As I say, I don't know if technically this is the I'm rambling. I'm rambling, but I have just read about the um, the Battle of Landguard Fort, which is uh, a uh, a castle uh, just up about one one and a half miles up the road from up the coast from Felixstowe, and uh, in the mid 17th century during the Anglo-Dutch Wars, a uh, an assault was made by the Dutch who landed in the shallow waters near Felixstowe and then came came ashore on the shingly beach uh, 1500 of them dragging their heavy cannons etc slightly on the wrong part of the coast and then they uh, they tried to lay siege to Landguard Fort in an attempt to then advance on Harwich as well um, and they were repelled variously and uh, at one point they got a bit stuck on the beach and the British were firing into the shingle and the shingle itself started to uh, behave like shrapnel which uh, claimed the lives of a lot of the Dutch. Anyway it's a long time ago wasn't it the Anglo-Dutch Wars um, but it got me thinking in a kind of lazy sports journalist way you know something 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 Olaf Koy, Jumbo Visma, five out of five Felixstowe, Anglo-Dutch War, sporting metaphor? Nah, doesn't really work does it? nice isn't it it's beautiful it's the second time i've been here i've already run up and down here a couple of times it's stunning uh, early this morning doing your marathon training program david smashing yourself to bits oh. every morning and every evening as well very impressive very impressive um yeah i so i asked a, asked you a question at breakfast about consecutive stage wins at stage races and whether or not it had ever been done before that someone had won five it turns out it's been done quite often I know, Freddie Mertens, Walter. He came straight out with that, I was I super that impressed. One, I remember reading his book, Fall From Grace, I think it was called, um, years ago. And I was, being, I was blown away by just one, I think, 10 plus stages of that year's Walter when he won the overall. But yeah, I didn't know he'd done five. I can't, couldn't remember him doing five in a row, but I presume he won that many stages at the Walter, he must have done something like that. I know riders were sort of more all round back then in the 70s, but the Walter must have been a totally different race, right? Well, this is, I think. I may have said this in commentary yesterday, but how the sport's changed. If Wout van Aert was around the 1970s and 80s, he'd, he'd, won, the Tour de France. he'd won the Tour de France and he'd have done what Freddie Mertens did at the Vuelta, etc. It's just the sport's become so 
professional and specific that those all-rounders no longer win Grand Tours. But in the old days, Grand Tours were perfect for all-rounders. You look back even back to the 50s, Andre Dadegaard was winning mountain stages and things like that, who's renowned as being one of the best ever sprinters. So yes, so it's... Uh, but saying that, it takes these days a series of stages like we've had here at the Tour of Britain for that type of specific rider who's a specific sprinter to just snap them all up. Because it's not often you get a race that has that many stages back to back which is so specifically targeting one type of finish. The most recent example was Poitou Charente. This year, last year, something like that? When, um, no, it can't have been this year because he's been riding uh, a bit subpar, but um, uh, Arnaud Demar did it. Oh, did did sort of like six or seven in a row. Don't want every stage at Poitou Charente. Huh, I used to love that race. Did you? Yeah. Did you, win? you won it, didn't you? I think I won it once, yeah. yeah. It was, um, oh, that's it, yeah. It was a small stage race. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often. And to be honest, it goes to sh- it's not been easy for him. It's like it's the fact he's got the world's best team in Wout van Aert and Van Hooydonk setting him up. Because even with them running together the past two stages and pulling it back together, he's fighting. It's getting closer each time. But still, he does it. I'll be honest with you, I'll level with you in the pod because the pod's all about where our honest space, isn't it? I'm kind of digging in a bit, a little bit today. I'm digging in. Good. I'm going to have to dig in because I found yesterday at times brutally difficult. It was struggling. It was we real. were struggling. I mean, it was struggle. It was. People always ask, "Well, how do you do it?" And often we kind of ramble our way through and get through because there's different stories. But actually, we've honestly had Groundhog Day the last four days because it's the same breakaway riders. Fouché and Tanfield, Stockman, Tanfield, Stockman, same teams. A bit of some some Piran. No, no, know how to say. Yeah. And then it's just bloody Van Ness. Was so even your playful pronunciation of Saint Piran's gone it's as gone. well. I know. You can't even be bothered to say Saint Piran. Saint Piran. I can't be bothered to do it anymore. <laughs> but yeah, but even the Peloton's just been. It's Kruiswick and Van Emden. Yeah. The same two riders in the front every day. It's just nuts, isn't it? It's wild. So, so I started talking about power stations, decommissioned power stations, nuclear fusion. We've done that before on Never Straight Father, haven't we? We kind yeah. of quite often go into the nuclear. We should actually probably do a bit more digging on it. I remember reading an article. It's unlikely we're going to see another power station in the coverage, but just generally inform ourselves, you're right. Yeah, we should. I mean, we're in Suffolk, though. I've never been to Suffolk, so I'm enjoying this. Sizewell Nuclear Power Station up the road. Is there? Yeah. You've never been to to Suffolk? I'm going to come to Suffolk. That's what I said. I don't know why I'd come to Suffolk, apart from a bike race. Well, that's... That's why it's here, isn't it? It's yeah. good as here. That's why we're here. I, I once, um, for the cycling podcast, I once rode with Lionel Burney from Cambridge to Alborough and back again. Which is just up the coast from here. Uh, I'm being called to do links. Oh, yeah, I'll come with you. Hey, Paul, where are you? I'm just out. Uh, so in front of us, uh, yeah, an amusement I'm, arcade just I'm setting out. It's uh, little brightly coloured right, horses that the kids can jump on. There's Paul. So, yeah. So are you doing your highlights links with Matt Barbetta? Do my highlights links with Matt Barbet. Where are we doing? Trinity the, car. There's Paul. Oh, it's Trinity. Let's go get him. Or oh, you go I'll get go, him. I'll go and get Pete. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah. see you, bye. So, oh. Right, well, I'm just wandering along down where the teams have uh, parked up. Not many of them are here yet, I have to say. Pete, Pete Kennick's just pulled up with his Trinity mob. Bingola here. Um, and so to a Global Six Cycling. And um, I've just introduced myself to a chap I've been wanting to talk to for years, actually. And I've met for the first time the boss of uh, Global Six Cycling, the founder of Global Six, James Mitry. James, hello. Hi, nice to talk, finally. I'm right, aren't I? You're the boss and you're the founder. Yeah, so um, it's our third year here, actually. And we finally got to meet, so <laughs> finally. Tell us, your, tell us your background. It's a really, really unique story. I'm sure you've told it many times, but you're going to have to tell it again in an amusing and engaging way, James. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, so we're Global Six. Uh, it's our third time here. Uh, some people have seen us here. Um, some people don't know us yet, but we've been uh, known for our breakaways here. Um, Nico Sessler in particular. Exactly, Nico Sessler. A.K.A. Radio Nico. <laughs> Radio Nico? Yeah. Why is he called Radio Nico? Because <laughs> he talks too much. Does he? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. No, but, yeah, he's done a good job again this yeah. this tour. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Global Six, so we're about uh, bringing guys from the six continents. Yeah. Um, I started this team three years ago with the goal of really creating a platform um, to help talents from smaller places or places where it's harder to get into pro cycling. So like we've got Tomoya sitting there next to us. Hey, hi um, how are you doing? Good. So Tomoya's come from Japan this year. Um, 
and you know it's not easy to get to Europe and get a chance to be a pro bike rider yeah. um, so we're trying to create this platform to give them a chance um, in a low pressure environment we're trying to sell a story uh, and create um, our team growth that way really we're trying to make more of a social but racing orientated program um, so it's no coincidence that all your six riders in this team are from six different countries that's actually designed into the, the model almost yeah exactly so the global six name that's the six continents um, wow. and about bringing the people together from around the world giving them a chance in pro cycling Wait, um, are they are they from six different continents yeah so Brazil is South America so five continents five here. continents here. but in the team we've got six Okay. So here we've got Asia, yeah. South America, North America, so we've got Canada, yeah. um, we've got Europe, yeah. and oh, so you got a, who Aus am I leaving off? Australasia, what do you call it, Oceania? Oceania. Oceania. Yeah, yeah. Who have I left off? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, James, you are, you're an ex-pro, right? Yeah, so I was a rider for five years. Where did you ride? Uh, I did two years in Spain, a year in Italy. And then two years in my team, mm. I stopped uh, end of last year because yeah. I want to grow this team up. Yeah, I want to. I wasn't an amazing bike rider. I was. I enjoyed racing, and I can put my time to better use, at building this up and helping guys. Amazing. And and, so, and how old are you? Twenty four. Twenty four. Yeah, twenty four. Um, so oh, it's just you. You are just out on your. You're, just out on your own completely in terms of doing this aren't you surrounded by men in their 50s <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess i guess so i guess so yeah but you know it's passion we all do this because we enjoy it um that's why we're all here right we love bike racing and is this uh, is this your biggest race of the year sort of global six is this the pr one of the bigger races definitely definitely and I bet TV coverage that kind of helps, doesn't it? I think I better say so, or Mick Bennett will shoot me. He will shoot you, literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I better, I yeah. better make sure. <laughs> and wh what's what's your background, James? Where are you from? I'm trying to place the accent. I'm originally from New Zealand, yeah. so that's where my family's from. But I'm brought up in the UK. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So. Which part? Where, where are you from? Uh, London. You're London. London. Yeah. So I started down at Herne Hill. No way. Yeah. Didn't know that. In 2004, gosh, or five. Right, you're a South Londoner. Yeah, I guess so. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was at VCL. Really? really? Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, VCL is the, the you know the, the club that operates out of Fernhill Velodrome that has recently produced the likes of Ethan Hayter and Fred Wright, etc. All the top pros. Yeah. And James Mitry. <laughs> I don't know about top pro, but <laughs> yeah. hopefully one day top manager. Okay. Now listen, um, a bit formulaic this race, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. A little bit about what you're going to do to disrupt it because you just think of the television commentators. Just think of us. Think of what we're having to endure oh, yeah, over the last four days. Do, can you do something extravagant? And uh, We're going to try. I mean, you have tried, to be fair, haven't you? Tried, you got, you've had two riders in breaks. Callum Ormiston. We've got some plans up our sleeves. Yeah. So yeah. we're looking forward to this weekend. Yeah. So... Yeah. We've got three guys no, there. No, no, not by the weekend. The weekend's going to take care of itself. I need something right, today, James. Ch today. Is that okay? Like, do you know St. Piran did that three-up attack the other day? That was exciting, to be fair. Um, Global Six need to get involved. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I think that was a mastermind by Ricky. Yeah, it was clever, wasn't it? Yeah. Smart. Ricky had something up his sleeve there. Yeah. Well, my suggestion to you is go down, find the St. Piran boys, have a little chat, get another team involved. Give him get some... Yeah. Give him some of those tribute beers back. Yeah, I was even handing those back, <laughs> yeah. To, between you and me, I've got like a six-pack of those that you gave me about two years ago. It's still in the shed at home. I haven't, even, <laughs> haven't opened one of them yet. Oh, they're brilliant. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> bit early in the morning. James, really nice to meet you. Yeah, Good thanks, luck with the project, mate. yeah? Thanks a lot. Uh, All right, take Take a beer later. All right, cheers, James. Oh, Dehydration, severe dehydration. How's the running been going, Pete? Chronic fatigue. I've done a 5k and a 4k. Have you? That's, That's nine. <laughs> so they've been here, you cheeky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Marathon dreams going well. Yes. Run your dreams, Pete. Run your dreams. Always to run your dreams. How's your week? You know, out there. 
How's your week? I'm fought. Some might say. How's your week? You cut me off, mate. I did actually. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. My week's going why. good. Really good. Yesterday was big improvement for us as a team. Boys were a bit slack. Yeah, what, uh, by the way, what happened to Luke? He looked down. Oh, like his chain gears, went off his into his, his, chain came off into his little ring. Oh. Just as he was about to sprint. Gutted, because he was on... Whose wheel was he on? He, so was, really he, was, he, was, on four, he was on fourth wheel, yeah. Yeah. Lads did an amazing job to get him there beforehand. And then, yeah, just as he about to pull a trigger, it's like, nope, no you're not. No bullets. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, know the gun, no, the trigger yeah. backfired. Backfired, yeah. Backfired. Bullets were there, ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, very good. But with the Tour of Britain, you get another... Ten chances to, to do the same, <laughs> to do the same thing. So, oh. are you enjoying it in the car? Is it is this better or worse? Just having it so chilled out and the same thing happening. The first day was chaos, like carnage all day, but it was like ace, really. Yeah. Like the fans and everything, just it was quality went so fast. Yesterday was long, but me and Aaron just went down this like <laughs> spiral rabbit hole, whatever you call it. Of I won't call it a rabbit hole actually. Of like we basically just. Um, doing impressions of radio tour and we pick up the commissaires on the bikes through our radio because it's scanning we haven't right. figured out how to stop it stop it <laughs> so it's like um, a lot a lot of fans up ahead Mike over you know, all cars push through please push through push through and then Aaron's doing his impression of radio tour it's like central splitters at 115 kilometers past both sides <laughs> Aaron just for the record is this is mechanic who uh, is he did a bit sorry he did a Sean Kelly to the riders on the radio yesterday Sean Kelly is go and amazing. get your bit, the last bits and pieces from the car he says doesn't he Sean you know like 30 yeah. k to go yeah. going back to the car now to get the last bits and pieces <laughs> his Sean Kelly is absolutely impeccable it is, should try it? and get him on the pod we need to that, try yeah. he gets nervous though so. yeah he does yeah but he's um, yeah good well, how about we, you guys oh, it's, it's long for you isn't it I know, yesterday sense of humour sort of locked out a bit yesterday <laughs> <laughs> it disappeared, didn't it? it just, Everything it disappeared. Like, it was the fourth in a row, wasn't it? Yeah. And they're getting... Like, the back end of the race is great. That's fine. The last three or four K just carries itself. But honestly... It's the four hours what did you? That. What type of commentary was it at this point? Well, it's The problem is it's the same riders in the break as well. No new stories. And the King of the Mountains is it? done. No one's even competing for it. Like, no one wants to get in the break. No one wants to get in the break. Yeah. It's... Um, it's very neutralised. Just waiting for the weekend, aren't we? Basically, everyone. Yeah. But this Even is nice, there. isn't it? Have you been to Felixstowe before, Pete? No, it's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. Going to go and see at the finish. Does it remind you of the Isle of Man? No, this it's too big. <laughs> like, you can just see too much. Got you. Yeah. Aaron. Don't know how to explain that on a podcast. Aaron. Come over here. Try, try and get yeah, Aaron. Yeah, let's, let's try and get him. Right, yeah. Him it's now or never, isn't it? it yeah, Tell him it's not for the podcast. It's not. It's right, not. I'll, I'll warm him up with the with the radio tour, right? Yeah. And then we'll go show him. Yeah. Hey, we, ta- we were talking about yesterday. How it was so long, and they were like, "Was it boring for you guys? And how was it? And how did you get through it?" And blah blah blah. So I've already done my impression of uh, Mike and Paul <laughs> on uh, race on race bikes. So oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do the the. Um, uh, radio tour. Radio tour. Um, okay, so we've got um, one minute. 30. Got to do one minute thirty. Crackle and beep before he comes on. Like one minute thirty gap on it. Remember? Yeah, it comes in and he's just uh, as the race passes through. Uh, Worcester Wait. head. <laughs> Worcester head. That's so tour of Britain. That's great. The peloton have uh, one minute and thirty seconds to the leaders. One thirty. One, three, zero, <laughs> to the front. The gap remains the same. <laughs> Centre splitters, pass both sides, pass both sides. It's like that. There's quite a lot of them, and I'm not going to call them all out, but centre splitters, pass both sides <laughs> as we enter the town. <laughs> uh, uh, has Sean Kelly made an appearance? Uh, he did yesterday. Yeah. He gave the, he gave he the boys what, what a little team talk. Yeah, 30k to go. We got, um, yeah. we got a... Uh, some of the bigger teams are starting to get organised now. <laughs> the riders are starting to come together in their team formations. Uh, one or two riders might drop back to the car now and get their last few bits and pieces from the car <laughs> and bring them up to their leaders as a whole position at the front. Aaron's won the pod. Oh, he's won the pod. He's yeah. won the pod. We had that to get you good. to do that on the pod. That's that was a day of that. But the, pro- the funny yeah. thing is, the radio tour is on constantly because he's constantly updating the the directors about what's going yeah. on so we can feed anything back yeah. we have our own radio to car 2 with John and yeah. John was just not finding any of it funny but me and Aaron were in the same car <laughs> and we were saying every single thing we said we would repeat it 
<laughs> to John on his radio. But it was like he would hear it through Radio Tour and then hear it again through the <laughs> four uh, hours. Interpretation of it. <laughs> what What was the. Oh, yeah. Caught. What was. Oh, I can't remember the accent. Oh, um. Team Car 1 to oh, Team yeah. Car team, 2. <laughs> team Car 1 to Team Car 2. Over. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> I think these guys are losing it, David. Yeah. Yeah. All right. See you, have a good day. Alright, chat. Oh, that's Cheers. all we're good for. See you later. See ya. Uncle of Davide's father, and then Thomas's nephew. So you see where this is going? No, <laughs> really. So uh, just I, I just for some context here, I am now um, with the um, the tour de Titema. Titema? Tour de Titema. Tour de, the TDT, Tour de Titema Unibet team. Yeah management and we are discussing their um, outstanding sprinter who's finished top 10 every single day four days in a row Davide Bomboy and um, I've just been informed something I really should have known that he is Tom Bonan's nephew but quite how that connection works doesn't seem to make any sense and we're still figuring that out <laughs> as well but it's given Belgian news, so it's probably true. Right? It's given, but it's given me a crumb of fact that I'm going to say so many times in commentary today. It's going to be unbelievable. Um, uh, Baz, it's very nice to meet you. Um, you're you're an interesting guy. I've been trying to tell the story in commentary about your team and how it founded and your your story, and I've probably only got it about kind of fifteen percent correct or fifteen percent accurate. So let's hear it from you. How, how did this team come about? Uh, actually, we started in 2019 with uh, making videos along the Tour de France uh, we're just doing uh, random stuff challenges like uh, giving pizza to riders doing a wheelie contest and from there on it it all started and all, we always had the ambition and the belief that with starting an own cycling team we could give our own identity and our own vision of how we believe in cycling and entertainment can work together and, and set things up and that's uh, how the idea com came up like with setting up a continental cycling team and it's going uh, really well uh, and we're still doing a lot of media stuff and yeah trying to give color to this tour of Britain. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing story because you were a pro right but yeah. and, and and then did you not quite make the grade or, or what happened you had a contract and it wasn't renewed or, or what, what was the story there? Yeah I was uh, I was at the BMC development team with, with riders like Jasper Philips uh, Sivakov so I was quite a good under 23 rider but not really the talent like the Mathieu and, and those kind of riders, but I was quite a solid rider. Um, then I got some injuries and then I came in like official circle. Mm. Um, I think a lot of riders have like, um, yeah, and then things went how it went. And I was always really interested in the media stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I, when I quit at uh, cycling, uh, I still had so, many so much passion for the sport and for the media stuff. Yeah. So. It was like a really smooth transition from cycling myself towards uh, towards yeah what Tour de Titema is right now. And, and I have to say, like a lot of our podcast listeners will know all about it, but if you don't, it, it was phenomenally successful your Tour de Titema. Yeah, you, on YouTube, you had hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Yeah, we we started mainly as a as a Dutch channel, and uh, yeah, there right now we have like almost two hundred thousand subscribers. Two hundred thousand, like one hundred seventy. Yeah, and and we. We're setting now, or like we we having now uh, subtitles as well. So step by step, coming more uh, uh, international international viewers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but with the team now, we have now a British rider, and uh, next year we will uh, yeah. move to the pro continental rank. So no way. It will it will give more internet. Yeah, we will have more international riders. So wow. also the the content will be more international. Yeah. 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 I also know that you uh, last year you made a reappearance in the peloton riding for Bingol. Yeah, I was in an Antalya commentating on yeah. Antalya with you, and I don't on know the, on the on the YouTube uh, live stream. Yeah, was yeah, it, with it? David Miller. It was yeah, very yeah. funny. We didn't recognise any of the riders, but we did. Uh, we did. We but did I, look out for you. I heard that there was like a YouTube uh, chat, and that the chat during the tour of Antalya went crazy with all the uh, in the chat box. Probably, yeah. yeah. Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I wrote myself uh, last year indeed, and um, also right now in the team I started this year uh, as a rider. I did mm. a lot of, a lot, quite a lot of races. Oh, okay. Right. But, so uh, you're still registered, licensed rider? Yeah, this yeah. year uh, I am. 
and now <laughs> I'm also figuring out like where I want to go for next year. So I will do in October. I will do like uh, the the, s the director sportive course in uh, right. in Agla with the UCI. Right, right, right. So uh, yeah, I'm like I have double roles. Like I'm a rider. I'm like uh, yeah, the, the the owner team management yeah. of the team. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, that's I think I will move more towards the the director sportive side. And you must be very happy with the way the team have raced the first four days, right? Up in the break every single day, Abraham Stockman or Harry. I mean Harry Tanfield three days in a row. Well, not three days in a row, but yeah. And then Davide for the sprints. It's, it's super impressive. I mean, you've been really in the race, haven't you? Yeah, it's incredible riding of the team. Um, we're trying to be attractive. Uh, I think that's <laughs> yeah if you look at the team cars they are like really colorful yeah. and that's how also how we want to race and it's a bit like the last four days it's been always like a sprint and we don't want to be in the breakaway just for being in the breakaway but we want to be like making a race yeah and it's a bit it's yeah hard. it's hard isn't it it's it's hard that it's, it's terrain. yeah the, the, and other teams are and I think we do still doing good in in the results like Davide finishing every day like a top 10 but yeah, if we not going in breaks or something, it won't change the end result. So we still want to keep like attractive racing. Um, and yeah, Davide is doing really well in the sprints. Um, yeah, the nephew of Tom Bona. He's, so he's yeah, Tom Bona's he, nephew. Did you know that? <laughs> good, good luck today, guys. Yes, good luck. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. In New Zealand, the silver medal with the New Zealand Road Race Cycles of this year. And also a rider who's been well in his home at New Zealand Cycle Classic Race a couple of years ago. Six in the Lancaster Grand Prix back in 2021 for Ryan Christensen. Well, the and team of uh, Bolt Equities Black Smoke are being introduced. In fact, Mark Stewart being introduced, the last of the riders uh, to get announced by Carl. Uh, there's about 25 minutes to go until the start of the race. Big, big crowd down here in really quite hot sunshine this morning. Early start today. Uh, and the race is about to get underway. So I'm going to uh, pop back into commentary. Uh, where David Miller has been asking me for the internet password. Um, he's not actually doing the studio today because Yanto Barker has dropped in and uh, he's taking on the Miller role for the day in the studio. So I'll bet go and find uh, David and give him the internet password. Well, there's a slight hitch, or potentially might be a slight hitch. The race is supposed to start in about 20 minutes, as I say, 15 minutes time. But um, as things stand, we've just heard that the uh, fixed-wing aeroplane that relays the television pictures has been grounded by air traffic control and not allowed to take off. Um, that's what we've been told. So if that's the case, then uh, for the time being, there'll, there'll, be no, there'll be no TV pictures. Without the aeroplane, there's no TV pictures. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what's... Know what's going to happen uh, honestly televising bike races it kind of a borderline miracle that they ever happen at all but um that's the latest off they roll onto the quite long neutralized rollout 8.8 kilometers of neutralized rollout before the flag eventually uh, will drop and uh, they all make their way off. Ethan Vernon in conversation with Harry Tanfield at the front. Harry Tanfield having featured in three of the four possible breakaways in this edition of the Tour of Britain. And Ethan Vernon will uh, not be getting in a break. He will be taking his chances in the expected Dutch sprint at the end of the day. Niels Pollitt, the last rider off the start line in the colours of Well, that was fun. We did a bit of commentary, and now Yanto Barker and Matt Barbetta are doing a bit, which is good. It's 
good to have Yanto here, isn't it? Take a bit of pressure off us, David. Oh, a huge amount. This is great. I mean, I think the longest break so far has been five, ten minutes. Yeah, hasn't it? It's been puny. It's been really puny. Yeah. But we had a bit of a race to begin with today. Yeah, I was annoyed by Ineos. I'm I'll be super honest. annoyed by Ineos. We can be a bit more frank on the podcast, can't well, we? I was pretty frank on TV. You were quite well. frank. Be a bit yeah. franker. Why were you annoyed? Well, I just think it's there is such an opportunity to rip the race to pieces. Bora Hansgrohe were trying, and I understand Ineos Grenadiers are putting all their eggs in the basket of the final stage. But there's also a chance to, I genuinely think, rip the race up on a day like this. Especially when you see Bora Hansgrohe and Uno X are up for it. I mean, it's it's a long shot, but it's racing, isn't it? It's kind of... I mean, I, I presume, I say this now, perhaps, I hope on Saturday, Sunday, we'll see them all guns blazing. Because the only reason they're racing so, let's say, defensively is because they must be planning a huge offensive at the weekend. But they better do that. <laughs> it's going to be quite hard, though, isn't it, to get the better of White Van Aert in the closing stages? Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. Why don't you tire out Jumbo Visma a bit more now? Do you now? know what my theory is? And I kind of alluded to it a little bit on air in the commentary. My theory of why they didn't join in with Bora Hansgrohe is, is literally CBA. Yeah, I think you could be right. Just like why? I mean, we, yeah, we probably know it's the right thing to do, but don't want it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not being very empathetic to the pro cyclists because a race like this is so dreamy. You know, you're just like, it's so chilled out, flat, beautiful weather. And let's not forget as well, it's, it's, it's also a bit brutal around the race because they had a two-hour transfer to get to the start today, a two-hour transfer after the finish, which is actually more because it'll be rush hour. So perhaps uh, the race is a nice bit of downtime. <laughs> Treating it as such. Hey, David, come over here. Look, just briefly. I noticed before. Uh, did you see this shop when you went on your run? Uh, yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, I did. It's pretty, it's pretty, pretty cool, isn't it? So right down on the seafront here in Felixstowe, there is a, a mad-looking shop called GMG Collectibles. And I noticed, I was just rifling through. I mean, it's got all sorts of trinkets and bits and pieces, actually stuffed with, uh, stuffed with things. And I noticed this book, I'm going to buy it, I think. I don't know how much it costs, probably 10p. This book, published in 1936 oh, wow. by a guy called John Gunter, is called Inside Europe. And it's a kind of got that 1930s textbook vibe about yeah, it, hasn't yeah, it? Completely. And it's like country by country. Fascism in France, you just opened it, I chapter know, 11, so, fascism It's in so France. interesting. And there's a whole, I started reading a whole chapter about Mussolini. Wow. That was super interesting. So when did you say it's published? 1936. So that's before it all really kicks off. Like, literally. And it's kind of like a, a, a character sort of thing. He is an orator of the pen. He wrote his way to power. Like all dictators, he is implacable. No Hitler, no Stalin, no Mussolini has ever forgiven an enemy. It's great, isn't it? It's that's really interesting. Amazing. He is no hypocrite. He never made any secret of his ambition, which he said, frankly, was to seize power and stay in power as long as possible. Huh. It's kind of interesting. I think Spain? I'm going to, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Shall I buy it? Stalin, buy it. What else we got? Tomatoes and Cucumbers by A.A. Richards, revised by H.G. Schaffer. Not so, sh not so keen on that. Um, there's an Oxford English dictionary here. Oh, the name of the rose by Umberto Eco. Look at this, chap chapter two, Psychopathology of Dictators. That's a cool book, isn't it? It's got a quote from Adolf the Hitler. The from Adolf Hitler. The German has not the slightest notion how a people must be misled if the adherence of the masses is sought. What does that mean? German has not the slightest notion how people must be misled. If, oh, so it's basically populism. Get so the German has not the slightest notion they how a people must be misled if the adherence of the masses is sought. So basically, so, get everyone, so everyone just follows each other. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I look at this thing about Ataturk as well. Oh, wow. Which is kind of like, it's got 1923 That's connection. That's a really cool book. Definitely 1923 get 1923 connection. Um, Turkey declared, uh, became a republic. It's kicking off Led the 30s, by Ata wasn't it? Ataturk yeah. in 1923. Hitler, this is, But this is, yeah, you're right. This is 1936. Yeah. Who else in Italy? War in Abyssinia, about which I know nothing. So this is, the interesting thing about the 30s is, Germany and Italy are both trying to grab an empire in Africa. Huh. So this is where Italy starts to go into Ethiopia and Eritrea. Right. And Germany are doing their own thing in like, you know, I don't, I'm a bit hazy on the details. It's a bit of vinyl, some CDs. I'll get you a present if you want. If there's anything you want in the shop, David, All right. just shout. You know? Okay, I'll have a look. I'm not going to pay more than 10p for that book though. Mate, you've got an empire. You've got a collectible empire in Phoenix. Thank you very much. This is it. Yeah. Well, uh, You're running out of room, aren't you? <laughs> I'll run out of What's room. the most valuable thing in this shop, Jerome? Me. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me another. What's the oldest thing in this shop? Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably not far off, though. Uh, Wait, this was published in 1936, this book. 
So you don't go that far back, do you? <laughs> oh, I've done it again, David. I completely forgot to record any of the commentary. It was amazing commentary oh, as well. Thanks, it really was. I was enthralled. <laughs> I was just here as a spectator. Well, as you say, if you can't get up for that, what are you going to get up for, if anything? So White Van Aert wins by doing something super clever with Jumbo Visma, who hatched the plan last night of uh, unleashing him with 900 metres to go. And uh, it was brilliant. But let's not talk about bike racing. Although, although... I've just been thinking, and I do want to articulate this thought to you because it's a, it's a sort of, not a running sore, but it's a running theme of our relationship, that how can you prefer Mathieu van der Poel to Wout van Aert? I still don't understand. Ah, uh, that's a good question, actually. Um, he does hold a special place in my heart, Wout van Aert. Oh, you're pivoting. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> a, little, a little bit. But moving it's, into my van Aert territory. But this is the story of Wout van Aert's life, though, isn't it? Because he can win me over now. And he does over and over again. But then on the really big occasion, Mathieu van der Poel does something that's so next level exceptional, like grandiose, that all of a sudden... He's he can... targeted, isn't he, van der Poel? Yeah. It'll be like nothing, 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 nothing. Big one when he it matters. He doesn't whereas... mince around, does he? Yeah. He's like, if he was here, it would be kind of, he'd be here to win as well. Then it would be amazing. And then he'd beat Wout van Aert because he's Mathieu van der Poel and that's the story of Wout van Aert's life. Yeah. But otherwise, it's just like he's won the Worlds, he's just now kind of just mincing around, isn't he? Went to Plouet, didn't really care. <laughs> just went there because it's like it's kind of his duty. I kind of like that about him. There's something just so... Mincing Mathieu. Mincing Mathieu. Just kind of minces around, totally indifferent to what everybody wants from him. Yeah. Just does what he wants to do. Yeah. And when he does it, it's just wow. Yeah. But wow is amazing. And today that was beautiful woutness. Yeah, yeah, and it's not often I give a toss, to be honest, about wattage, but even I was blown away by the wattage figures that, that were put on the screen at the yeah. end. 810 so watts average for a kilometre. 370, the spike, which I presume was his acceleration out of the corner to go, yeah. and then to the line from there he averaged 810 watts, which is, in 800 metres, that's a madness but he was quite blasé about it in the post-race interview he says yeah I know I can do that I can do small efforts oh it's normal eh Um, t-shirts oh we've got t-shirts available listeners which say it's normal eh it's normal Normal. eh yeah Yeah, we have those they're back in stock in two colourways now yeah blue and white the white ones are pretty cool but there's a blue option as well yeah there's a blue option as well so go to the and you don't have to get a tote bag you don't have to get a tote bag. So we've saved you that. So all you people who have tote bags already, you don't have to get another one. Yeah. Although they are excellent they tote are bags. They are excellent tote bags. And, and now you will be, if you do have one, then you can feel very special because we're not making them again now in the near future. Yeah. And we've got all sorts of other ideas for merch. Bucket Most, hat. T- bucket hat. Yeah. Mostly t-shirt based though, aren't they? We were thinking, we are thinking maybe of going to little symbols of like, previous pods little yeah. well-remembered vignettes for the uh for the aficionados for the aficionado because everyone who listens is a bit of an aficionado so we're thinking yeah. like maybe a pirate ship thing oh hang on what well, matt barber signing off very smooth but who knows what team Yumbo Visma well they're going to win aren't they Matt obviously live coverage tomorrow at 11.30 of that highlights of today's stage right here on ITV4 at 9 o'clock do you see you then Bye bye, bye bye, bye bye. So that's the <laughs> that's the end of the show. Yeah, um, maybe a pirate ship thing. Pirate um, ship or a, an orange being peeled. The orange or, or orange the orange football. football. The orange, orange being football. peeled. The orange being peeled. A, like, an orange with a little bit of peel coming yeah. off it yeah. for Primoz Roglic. Yeah. The orange football, the which represents syndrome. the imposter syndrome. My dreams at the Giro d'Italia. Yeah. Maybe the roast chicken for the Fred Wright story that wasn't yeah. Fred Wright's granddad yeah. in the end, and. Pete's pirate ship. Pete's pirate ship, obviously. So little quirky things that are really in the know. Yeah. To and you know because our listenership has increased massively, obviously, over yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah. So you can you can show your your support and kind of knowledge of the podcast by showing you understand what it is because people are going to ask you what's that. Yeah. And you'll know the story. Yeah. And not many. And you've got a story to tell, so you can actually yeah. befriend people. So people that you might normally not normally talk to. Yeah. You might be out walking your dog. 
How do you explain the how do you explain the roast chicken? So what's that, mate? You got roast chicken jersey and something that says "Never strays far." It was Fred Wright's grandfather. Who's Fred Wright? Fred Wright's a pro cyclist, a British pro cyclist, national champion actually. And um, there's this journalist uh, writer Ned Bolting who has a podcast called "Never Strays Far," and he tells a brilliant story uh, from the Sorry, second. I've switched War. off. I'm, okay. I'm not interested. Yeah, it's much better when you tell a story. <laughs> Well, in the front of the car, they are swapping stories about how I raced the attack and I did the marmot and a couple of mammals in the front front of the uh, car here as we make our way from Felixstowe towards a uh, a hotel. Which Matt, did you say it had something to do with golf? Yeah, I think it's I just looked at the hotel when I was planning my cycling route, which I'm now evidently not doing. Oh and yeah, why aren't you cycling? It's only 67 miles. Yeah, it's 125Ks on the cycling route. It's 67 miles if we go on A-roads. I'm not going to cycle on these, unlike you on your Brompton. Yeah, true. Um, the risk is the spending an hour in the dark in the Essex countryside, which, as anybody who's ridden in Essex will know, the drivers are not the friendliest there, even in the daytime. Mate, that's the second region you've put away on this podcast. You had a go at Runcorn last time you were on the pod. Runcorn's not a particularly attractive place. Oh, don't double down on it. <laughs> We've got lots of listeners no, in Runcorn. I speak from experience. I've cycled in Essex, and there's some good cycling there. Epping Forest, if you fancy a bit of a gravel nudge, is great. But you know what it's like you go to some areas, and the drivers are just not the friendliest. And I'm afraid to say my experience of riding in Essex over a decade proves that they're not the friendliest drivers there towards cyclists. Just a fact. Just a fact. So it's thanks to... Essex drivers that you're not doing your bike ride you've let yourself down partly that but but also as, as Ned said I identified it as a golf course hotel which normally suggests a certain level of quality unlike the Orwell in Felixstowe last night see you're down on that as well and I quite like I quite enjoyed my stay in the Orwell once we cleared up the fact that it was nothing to do with George Orwell well <laughs> kind of only tangentially it was because he named himself Eric Blair named himself Orwell after the River Orwell and not the hotel or anything confusing like that but anyway yeah it's alright so David and I have just developed this technique of survival on this um, tour of Britain which is um, we've learned from a Gary Imlac actually haven't we David yeah, quite it's successful Gary, it's the Gary Imlac which we always describe what it is well you kind of you do your job at the bike race and then no one sees you till the next day on the job <laughs> it's basically what we're doing <laughs> yeah, I noticed that last night. I did the three-hour drive, tonight. and then you two just disappeared. You're but totally see it again tonight. Yeah, but I get it. I get it. You know, you've got to spend five hours <clears throat> talking almost solidly. I jumped in for an hour. Thanks for that. Actually, that was yeah, a massive thank help. Yeah. Thank Thanks to Yanto Barker as well. Thank Anytime, Yanto guys. Barker. Anytime, guys. Yeah. Um, it, that's hard enough. And you're right. It was hotter than the surface of the sun in that little comms booth today. Wasn't it? Oh my god. Alex Dowsett came and joined us. <laughs> it was actually funny. It was, the sweat was just running off him. You, it's because you're wearing those over ear headphones, and like elephants, we dissipate heat through our ears and our heads. So if you're, if you're cutting off your sort of supply of you know, aerating, then it makes it even hotter. So those over ear headphones that you have to wear to commentate make yeah. it even hotter. These are the hardships we endure. I know, it's really tough. To bring the bike race to the people. Yes. So we're entitled to behave like Gary Imlach at the end of the day. Um, and yeah, we just locked we just lock ourselves away. So you sent me a little message about eight o'clock last night, David, when I was just about to watch my third episode of Narcos. <laughs> you said, we're behaving like Gary Imlach. And I went, yes. And you went, and I love it. <laughs> I can totally see the attraction. Mind you, we're doing it with a certain degree of class because we're ordering room service. Aren't we just? Whereas Imlac just gets like crisps, or no, nuts from like petrol stations yep. and stuff. Almonds and mackerel, tins of mackerel. We're living like kind of Alan Partridge kings, <laughs> you know, <laughs> rather than just victims. Has David got a special plate? Have you got David's, have you got Miller's special plate for the buffet? Oh yeah, that really would be full partridge. Twenty-inch plate. The twenty-inch plate. All we can eat. No, but um, but this is this comes back to you disrespecting the Orwell Hotel in Felixstowe because I'm going to give their room service four stars. I, Out of how many? Eighteen. <laughs> it was. I had marinated cod, and it was absolutely fabulous. And I went down to order it because the phone wasn't working in the room. And they had like a spread of cakes. A table groaning with cakes. There must have been eight or ten cakes there. And Ned knows I have this kind of Proustian 
sort of fetish for cake, British cakes that I can't get outside of the UK. And then a Victoria sponge cake, which is my favourite. So I got that. And apparently they were left over from a funeral. There was a funeral wake there. And they'd... <laughs> in the Orwell Hotel. <laughs> so, so, so you went... So it's not funny for the family in question, no. but we, uh, hopefully they're not listeners. Former pro cyclist David Miller steaming in and nicking the cakes from the wake. <laughs> Happy days. But this, this whole thing, this Proustian fondness for um, quite average British baking, butter-heavy British baking, yeah. was um, first came to my attention a couple of years ago when we were doing a stint of commentary at Ealing Studios. Now, I don't know how well you know Ealing, Matt, but Ealing's, like, incredibly diverse, and actually it's kind of a, almost a foodie's paradise. There are loads of really good restaurants and cafes in Ealing, settled Polish community, but all sorts of other things, and some really, really good places to get sort of interesting snacks throughout the day. But Old Miller here used to go out every single day, and there's a very, very traditional English baker on Ealing Broadway, and uh, that was where he'd, he'd go, and he'd come back with things like custard tarts, and custard tarts, and cake. Because what, what else is there apart from custard tarts? I had scones this time. I was last there. Creams and jam that came ready done. I've had Dodgers. sponge cake. That's just a fail safe. Coffee and walnut, surely. Coffee and walnut. Coffee and walnut. King, king, king of cakes. Simple ones. It's too exotic it's for pretty, him. Yeah, it's, too, it's like the cocktail of cakes, as far as Davis goes. <laughs> more than two flavours. Like avant garde. <laughs> no, give me the basics. Battenberg. Battenberg. Oh my god, that used to be my favourite as well. It's is great. there any ta- difference in the taste between the colours in a Battenberg? Uh, no, like the, the pink and yellow. That's the good bit. The kind of outside. I think I think there might be a psychological element to that. Like probably a blind test taste. about well, wine. Yeah, Can yeah. you actually like? It's supposed to be quite difficult to tell the difference between dry white wine and red wine, yes. isn't it? If with your eyes closed. Well, yes. I'm having like this is on exactly that theme. So somebody's put a, like a crate of diet coke in our commentary position. You're hammering through that diet coke. And I used to hammer diet coke in Hong Kong because my dad was always drinking diet coke, and I was like, oh, it's around, so I was just hammering diet coke. And probably the teenager I lived off it. Haven't drunk it since, really. And especially, I saw then lying on the kind of the, the rider table, they had Coke Zero, which is the same thing, right? It's in a red can, and it's Coke Zero. No interest whatsoever. But put it in that Diet Coke classic can, silver, with it called Diet Coke, not Coke Zero. I'm all over it. It's funny, though. And it's great. It's amazing what the eye, what tricks the eyes can yeah. play. And you, I gather, for the highlight show that we haven't seen, obviously, because it hasn't gone out yet, and I'm not involved in, apart from doing the commentary, which gets edited in ways that I don't understand, um, <laughs> and then complained about on social media when local areas of notice are not shown in the highlights show, and that's my fault. Anyway, uh, you had Wout Van Aert come and join you in the studio. We did manage to grab Wout, because if they don't win a stage or don't do get one of the jerseys, then they just go as quickly as possible, right, to the next day. But the fact that Wout one today many had to hang around he had to do doping control of course and so we managed to grab him i'm not sure his media guy was particularly happy about it they sort of marshaled him to the nth degree into the car as quickly as possible but he was great he was ah, really now, good so what i've learned about you in the last few days matt is that like um essex like the orwell hotel in felixstowe and like runcorn you have been slightly disrespectful of what went up in the car off the record My- my mind is there to be changed, Ned. I'm honestly, I'm not pedantic about these things. And now here you are, you're his best mate again. I love him. I love. I worship him. Do you know what though? He was really like. It, it, it was. It's always good to get someone immediately after doing something pretty amazing in a bike race to just get them to talk you through it. And as you would realise, that plan to look like he was leading out. Um, coy and then have them and him and Afini both sit up. So Wout got the got the jump on the rest of the peloton they came up with this morning but in some ways it was more interesting asking him about the corner they took three or four k's back wide which put them almost at the back of the peloton in one fell swoop and how they had to fight their way back to the front again which is pretty stressful when you're thinking well plan a is not going to happen what do we do for plan b but of course they make it look so effortless don't they so easy i was talking to about that 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 final move the bluff if you like the the the, the attack from van art talking to mick bennett just before you called actually David and I ran to the car and he said that's a really and Dean Downing was there as well he used to be the crit champ of Great Britain and he said it's a classic crit move that 
see you see it a lot in crit racing and and indeed in in track racing mick was claiming as well although i can't quite see how it is applicable in track racing but mick was adamant and he, he came up with he said it's australians used to do it a lot it became a, an australian thing and he had a phrase for it and i wish i'd had a better functioning memory because i've forgotten what it is it's not like patter cake it wasn't that i don't know what it was but uh but yeah so kind of like they were both going yeah crit move that crit crit that's crit racing that's track crit crit track track crit but it's classy i thought it was really good it's just just so clever except in a crit race there'd always be someone on the inside like dive bombing down ready to take advantage of the 90 degree corner but i think i could i could see that move that you know the teammates slamming on the brakes doing that kind of thing is is straight out of that playbook you furnished me, David, in commentary earlier on today when we were looking at that castle, Ford, Ford, Ford. Well, I can't remember the name of it. Fordringham, no, something like that castle. You furnished me with some of the most amazing facts I've ever regurgitated on a bike race today, didn't you? I did. Wasn't it the? Um, oh no, you're right. It's Ryan. Yeah. The helicopter. Well, it was yeah. a fact of two halves, wasn't it? Because the first fact was that Fordingham. Is that right? Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. Fordingham Castle. So Ed Sheeran grew up in Fordingham Castle. And in the village. Yeah, uh, sorry, in the village near the castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not in the castle. Not in the castle. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he, in 2017, he wrote a, a smash hit called something... Castle on Top of the Hill. Castle on the Hill. Castle, something like that, yeah. So, yeah, in uh, 2017, he wrote a song called Castle on the Hill. Um, and about Fordingham Castle. And then I started recounting that, which is random enough. And then Rowan Browning, our director, we were on a helicopter shot at the castle said in my ear quite specifically said and our helicopter crew who are providing you with these pictures also shot the aerial shots of Fordingham Castle for Ed Sheeran's music video that accompanied his uh, song Castle on the Hill in 2017. That is an incredible fact. We went deep at that point and uh, I'm just going to see if I can find it on Spotify. Do you know it Matt? Song. I love no, song. I do you know it, David? Yeah. Do you? Yeah, it's a good song. I once had breakfast with Ed Sheeran. Uh-huh. He was a lovely guy, but I can't pretend to like his music. So you can put Ed Sheeran in with Runcorn and Essex Drivers, as far as I'm concerned. Music-wise, nice bloke, but Galway Girl is an awful song. That's an awful song. Is it Castle on the Hill? It's kind of folksy, isn't it? Yeah. A little bit kind of Dixie folksy sort of. Modest teams are though, aren't they? Well, the A-team isn't that's a tragedy about Class A drugs, isn't it? I mean, I'm not a fan, so I don't know. <laughs> anyway, on that note, uh, let's have Ed Sheeran play us out on the pod. dust coming from still finding debris after vacuuming eufy x10 pro omni robot vacuum has 8,000 pa of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets and it's totally hands-free want to know more go to eufy.com that's eufy.com and discover x10 pro omni the best in class all-in-one robot vacuum for only 799 dollars